0: listening to humanize me with Bart Campolo. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. It is a Q&A podcast, which means I am Q&Aing with my friend and producer and ally in goodness, John Wright. John, hey. welcome to the show. How are you? I shouldn't say welcome since, like, you are the show. <laughs> I'm uh, part of the show. You are part of the show. What's been uh, happening, man? You went on a great bike ride? I did go on a bike ride today. Yes. Uh, I, you know, I, it's funny. Um, I have two bikes that I ride a lot. Three mm-hmm. bikes, actually. I have a commuter bike that, when I'm riding to work, when I have to ride to a meeting, I ride. Mm-hmm. And then I have a racing bike, which. My, I shouldn't call it a racing bike, but like it's a road bike. It's a, it's a fast bike.
1: Um, right. And that's not um, good for
0: commuting, right? No, no. That's one where you wear spandex and fancy shoes and you look silly, but you go. Do you, you clip you, into the things? You, you do. You clip in? Yeah. I do yeah. all that. Yeah. You wear, you know, and so. Um, that scares me. And it's one of those things that you learn, but it, what's interesting is when you get those clip on things, they're like, at some point you're going to fall at, at one mile an hour. like you're gonna not be able to clip in and you're gonna panic and you're gonna fall and they're just like get ready for that so it's one of those things that like you want to learn to use clip-on pedals before you're 45 (laughs) because you really like once you get past there the the little one mile an hour fall is probably not worth the risk
1: right right no i get it (laughs) and then what's the third one the third
0: one is this crazy tandem I ride with Marty. Oh, that's right. It's called a Belinky Viewpoint, and it is a semi recumbent. Marty has neck problems, so she can't ride an upright bicycle. Uh-huh. So she tends to ride those bikes where you sit down. So you're kind of like with, reclining? Yes, where your legs are in front of you. Uh huh. But you can get tandems like that, but they're really unwieldy. And, um, and you have the same problem as you have with all other tandems, which is that the person in the back is kind of looking at the back of the person in the front. Right. And, um, and moreover, your, your heads are so far away from each other that you can't, you can't have a a regular conversation. So I, have never been a huge fan of tandems. The other thing is, is you also have to synchronize your riding, synchronize your, your pedaling. And that's Oh, right. And so if one of you is a stronger rider, um you either you you know it just doesn't work out that well. So Marty and I w- w- back when we lived in Philadelphia, we saw one of these weird bikes where it's recumbent in the front. The person in the front sits on the recumbent part and uh-huh. upright like a regular bike in the back. Wow. And that puts your head like so the person in the back,
1: their head is just over the person in the front. So the really yeah, close. I can, yeah, I can picture it because so, you're leaning forward, she's leaning back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so and, she's like just in front of you.
0: And the person in the back is the one who steers and brakes. Um, Got it. So the person in the front has to have a lot of trust. Um, <laughs> but the other thing is, is that the 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 pedals are independent of each other, I like the pedaling. So, Marty, who's in front, she can ride in any. It, she has her own set of gears. She can ride whatever feels comfortable for her. And then mm-hmm. whatever power she generates comes back through a chain to my sprocket and then and then I ride at whatever pace I want to ride. So it's good. Very hard to explain. If I showed it yeah, to you,
1: Yeah, no, it you. seems it seems way better actually than the than the other tandems. Was it way more uh, money? It was a lot of money. Um, we, we actually
0: got ours years ago, the first one. We had one and then we moved to LA and it got stolen. Worse than ever. I remember that. Um but the first one we got, we bought off the musician David Wilcox, who ended up becoming a good friend of ours, huh? Um, and uh, he had had it with his, um, with his wife, and then they sort of stopped riding it. And so, I, I had seen this one, and I was looking for them, and they cost ridiculous amounts of money if you buy them new. They're custom, and so um, he had one, and it turned out to fit us, which was a, a miracle, um, such so to speak. Then it got stolen, <laughs> which obviously it wasn't a miracle because, like, you know, why would you provide right. me with that bike and then and then steal it from me? Um, <laughs> but then I actually found a guy in Pittsburgh who had another one, and he sold that one to us to replace the the first one, and that's what Marty and I ride now. I'll send you a Beautiful. picture. We we could post a picture on the on the. I website. would love. Is there a
1: photo of you guys riding it? I think there probably is. Yeah. I yeah. would love that.
0: It's, I mean, you look, it, can I just say it is an awkward looking bike. It weighs a ton. We are not fast. We look stupid on it. Um, <laughs> but we are able to go and Marty rides as hard as she can. And I ride as hard as I can. And we talk all the way and it's glorious good fun as long as you don't get to a really big hill. Right. Um, yeah. And so, so that's what we did. We got up early this morning. And we went for a ride. Um, out on the Kentucky roads of uh, uh, the, by the river a river in Kentucky and it was it was quite nice and so yeah i think i do have a, a bit of extra energy today from having that so experience. good
1: yeah yeah no well i mean i i know you love it and the and the thing is too it's a, a bonding thing it seems like for you and marty which is it, really cool it has
0: been really good and you know it's funny sometimes they call tandems like the marriage breakers um because <laughs> people get in arguments and they don't get along and and you know this is that's has, hilarious this one has proven to be really good for us um it's kind of marty often says it's her favorite material item uh that we we've ever had it's because it's just it's just we've had a lot of fun with it. Um, right. what's interesting is I am going to do, you know, on Patreon, you, pref- you, you, put up all that sort of s- special content for people mm-hmm. that support the podcast. And my new bike, um, has such a story behind it. And it is such a beautiful thing. Wait, which I, one of the three is the road is bike, the, one? the road, oh, bike. the road bike. I just got a new road bike, um, accidentally, basically like, It's a long story, which I will tell on the podcast, but I I ended up thinking I was going to, I was heartbroken because my beloved bike broke and I ended up with a bike that is just so wonderful for me. Mm. And it is a thing that I love. And I know this will sound funny, but like, you know, you and I were both raised in the church and we were taught that you're not supposed to love things.
1: Right. Material possessions are meaningless, basically. Yes. And, and, or a temptation worse than that. Like, don't, right, right, right.
0: And it's taken me a long time to sort of embrace the idea that a thing can sometimes, you can have a relationship with a thing mm-hmm. and a thing can be connected, can be a, something that connects you with other people in a weird way. Um, right. And that a thing can give you joy and happiness in a reliable way sometimes. Uh, and so, this is a thing I adore. It is mm. It has is, it is made such a difference in my life. And right. It, uh, and you don't have too many of those, right? Like,
1: you, it's not like you have lots no, of things no. that you love. Yeah, no.
0: And, and you know, it's funny. Like For me, it's this bike. I know for somebody else, it might be clothing that they mm-hmm. love, or somebody else, it might be an instrument that they play, or somebody else, it literally, I know somebody who's like, it's my mixer. My, my, my mix, you know, this is somebody who loves to bake and cook. And this mixer was a gift that they, you know, and, and it was a big deal and it's changed
1: everything. And, you know, and so like things can be amazingly wonderful. I think especially, you see, what's interesting is you've mentioned a few tools, right? So a bicycle is a tool, a mixer is a tool. Yeah. But I also know uh, people that feel that way about painting. A painting no, I, I, I agree. But I think it's very interesting that, you know, one of my favorite uh, things that Steve Jobs ever said was, um, that what separates us from the other primates is that we're tool builders. And, you know, they were looking at, like, the, the efficiency of movement, efficiency of locomotion for various species on the planet. And the condor used the least energy to move a kilometer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know, humans were, were about a third of the way down the list. They were way down. We We weren't very good movers. But then someone had the insight to test the efficiency of a, a, a man on a bicycle. And a man on a bicycle, a human on a bicycle, blew the condor away. Incredible, yeah. <laughs> and so Steve Jobs used that as an analogy for the computer. He said the computer is the most remarkable tool because it's, it's a bicycle for the mind. So, you know. Oh, I love that, that image.
0: image. I love yeah, that Yeah, image. yeah, yeah. Isn't that good? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Marty and I were out and and this big freight train passed us on the way. You know, Mm because we're by the side of the river, and Marty's like, you know, I'm always surprised that in this day and age, people still use freight trains, like, like that's a form of transportation that's been around for so long. And I
1: said, right, right.
0: I I talked to somebody in in logistics once, and they said, the amount of tonnage that you can move on a freight on a train. Yeah, you know, um, the like the amount it costs to put it in a truck and carry it and hire mm-hmm. a driver, and then you you load up a train and it's just incredibly efficient
1: for yeah. moving heavy stuff Right, um, using one engine to move yeah. like a hundred cars. I mean, I see them out here in in you know Arizona, California. Like I see, go, it seems they like they're a hundred cars long. Yeah. yeah, they go on forever.
0: So anyway, i, I I've got this. This idea, I'm going to make, I'm, I'm making this, it won't be long. It'll be three or four minutes because most of the people that watch this podcast don't care about the technical specifications of my bike, um, <laughs> which I do deeply, but uh-huh. there's also aesthetic considerations and 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 the story behind it. But I'm going to make this little video where I talk about this thing I love. And, and my hope is that the rest of our supporters will then respond by sending me in like pictures or paragraphs or whatever about the thing that they love most mm, because i, I like I, it i kind of i think that part of being human is using tools um and part of being human is loving things in an abstract way loving a piece of art loving something right for what right. it represents and so i actually want to amplify the love the the, the the love of material things
1: yeah, no, I think that's interesting. I, I, and it's got me thinking, like, what would be my favorite thing? I guess I'll, I'll weigh in on that Patreon episode. Yeah, 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 you should. After you post. Yeah, because I, 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 I need to think about it. Okay,
0: good. Yeah. Hey, speaking of Patreon, and, and, and I didn't actually – it's funny, I didn't know you were going to ask me about the bike ride. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, but that just takes us in, then we talk about Patreon. And I have a few people I, I think we need to thank. I think in this, like in you know, in this coming year, I want to go back and rethank all the people that are still supporters. Like I don't know why you should only get thanked once. Yeah, I, I don't, agree. I, I think we should shout out people all the time because it's always a big deal. Um, but these are new people, so we're sort of welcoming them in. Um, and one of them, I, I may have mentioned Curtis Cannon, um, but he supported the podcast via a snail mail letter, which never happens. Um and so Curtis, thank you for for not only for sending a snail mail letter, but for presenting John with a name he just
1: loves. Yeah, I just love that name. It I is, wish that was my name, Curtis Cannon. There's something there's something so forceful about it, you know? <laughs> like I'm right here.
0: I am Curtis Cannon.
1: <laughs> I love, I love it. it.
0: Yeah. Um and so Curtis, thank you. John Gardner. Josh Zach. Joshua Zack. Um, which John, you wouldn't know this, but Josh Zach lives here in Cincinnati. He has he has occasionally stopped in on Caravan. He is one of the most beautiful young men I have ever met. Just in terms of like somebody whose yeah, aura, you know, whose sort of spirit got a gl- good vibe. He he glows. He glows. Mm. I met. I, I was walking down the street one day in Cincinnati, and I came across. I, I saw this couple walking towards me, and I just thought, gosh. Those people just look so, da- like, I just liked the way they were moving. And as he came into view, I was like, oh, that's Josh Sack and his girlfriend. <laughs> and um, they're just the most lovely people. So I'm I'm super happy to have him on this deal. Um, and then Jack Bergstrand, who is uh, a, a new friend um, of the podcast and, and I think a new friend of mine. And I'm just, it's just, thanks for all of you guys. Thanks for joining on board. All right. All right. So that's a long preamble for a Q&A podcast. And I do have a Q and I will have a response, but not an answer. <laughs> no, we don't, we don't give answers. No, there are no answers. Hi, Bart. Um, so I know in your podcast, you talk a lot about
1: people in suddenly interfaith marriages, um, you know, where one is a believer and the other has since left. And obviously there are obstacles, but what I want to know is, does anything work? Is intimacy possible between people with radically
0: different world worldviews? Um, yeah, it's just been a question that's been on my mind. Thank you so much. Bye. And I think it's a great question. Um, and I think it's a great question, not only because of the word intimacy. Um, I think that if there's anything that our show for years has tried to make clear is it's that civility and mutual respect and even support are possible between people with radically different worldviews. Uh, Love is possible, but intimacy is a, that's a big word. Yeah. I, I wonder like when, when you think of intimacy I mean, I think "enemy" is almost like one of those words, like "tree," that you say to somebody, "Draw me a picture of a tree." And one person draws a little a little Christmas pine tree, and another person draws a, a, an oak, and another person draws uh, a, a palm tree. And you go like, "Oh, tree is not a defi- It's it's not a narrow enough word."
1: Yeah, the, I mean the de- the dictionary definitions are are probably sex on the one hand and closeness on the other, right? I, I that's a great question. You know what? I don't know. I'm going to, I've got
0: a computer in front of me right now. I'm going to look it up and see what the dictionary says. Intimacy definition, close familiarity or friendship, closeness. Um, an in, and, and then, and then a, a private cozy atmosphere. And then there is a euphemism, an intimate act, especially sexual inter, intercourse. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the initial the initial uh, definition is close familiarity closeness
1: um, that's what i would say if you said if you if you had to give me like you you get one synonym i would say closeness
0: and then there are all these words associated where they say affinity rapport attachment familiarity confidentiality comradeship amity Mm -hmm. affection, warmth, understanding. There's a word, understanding, fellow feeling. And so when you start seeing those words, you think, is it possible for two people who see the world radically differently to have fellow feeling, um, to have comradeship,
1: you know? Um, what is your instinct on that? I mean, if you just had, if you weren't to go into too much depth, I mean, my instinct would be no.
0: Um, But I don't know if it's an instinct or if it's 50 years of watching people relate to each other Mm. uh, because it feels like it's very difficult. One of the things that creates intimacy is when people have a shared language um, where they can talk about things easily because they understand each other's references. Right. Um, I remember as a young guy growing up on a college campus, every now and then you would see, uh, and this was in the 70s when when my dad was at Eastern and I was there, and you would see a couple that were marrying cross-culturally. You know, the, mm-hmm. the guy, the guy was from, he was, he was from Africa and he, he, you know, he had come over on some study thing and the woman was like a farm, a Mennonite farm girl from Pennsylvania and they would fall in love and they were going to get married. And I remember watching the way people would respond to that. And in, in the world that I was in, nobody thought that was wrong, but people would sometimes have a certain heaviness of heart as they would watch those guys go off. Cause they were like, it's going to be harder than they think. And they didn't mean because the outside world is gonna is gonna jam in on them. They just meant like th- th- when it comes time to work through difficult issues or to raise kids or to figure out how to deal with aging parents, they're not gonna have a common they're not gonna have a common background or a common language, and it's gonna make it harder for them to navigate those things. Um, that intimacy is harder in those situations.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What was interesting was that I noticed was long term you would see the intimacy might be harder, and I've seen a lot of relationships where the that cross cultural thing. I mean, not that it doesn't ever work, but I've and sometimes people would say it makes it better. Um, but I, I, I saw a lot of I've seen a lot of the struggles there. But what's interesting is is that I think it's that op, that difference thing sometimes means that the attraction and the initial fascination kind of the falling in love part is almost easier and more it amplifies that experience right the wonder of being loved by another is all the more miraculous when that other is so different and yeah. when they
1: see the world differently yeah no that's a that's a good that's a good thought
0: so so i think that you know, it, it, when you say to me, like, what's your gut? My gut is that anytime time there's a radical difference, not I'm not talking about difference in temperament, but I'm talking about a cultural difference or a worldview difference um, or sometimes even an economic difference, which I guess that is a cultural difference. If somebody comes from big money and somebody right, right. else comes from relative poverty, a lot of times it's a cultural difference. Definitely, um, Yeah. But, but wherever there are those big disparities, I, I think it raises almost like in diving, it raises the degree of difficulty of the dive. Um, but but, but a lot of times the people that you know, as the questioner, as as the question was was asked, like the people that are coming to me trying to figure out intimacy across those those um, differences, they didn't sign up for for being in an interfaith marriage or being in a cross-cultural marriage, like they were together and then one of them came off the rails. Yeah. And so they're suddenly interfaith, you know, and it, it, this isn't what they bargained for, but they're like, hey, we have three kids together. We have all this history together. We really do love each other. Like, can
1: we stay close? Right. And it's and a so- very valid question, isn't it? It's kind of like, yeah, that's what I would be thinking too. Yeah, it's a really valid question.
0: And yeah, and sometimes parents and kids get in the same thing where they're like, well, we were really close, but our shared faith or our shared atheism was a big part of our deal. Uh, it was a big point of connection between us. And then she went and got converted to some, you know, religion or then he went and lost and, and decided that he doesn't believe in God anymore. Um, yeah, and so it, pretty big it came, difference. and it can go both ways. Like I, I remember when I was a Christian um, and sometimes a, a person would become, they would get, they would get saved or they would get converted in our, in our youth group. And it would really mess with their relationship with their parents and their parents would go like, we can't talk to them anymore. Like, it's like they're in another world. And we'd go like, Oh, you know, that those, they just, they're not accepting the reality here. But, and then, and then I've seen exactly the same thing when, with two Christians, when one of them loses the faith where they're we can't talk to him anymore. And it, it's like, he's in another world. And um, so, yeah, I think this is, I think this is a real, real problem. Yeah. I mean, how about you, John? Like, have you, have you been around any
1: of these relationships? Have you seen anybody struggle with it? no i haven't people tend to tend to stick together don't they in in this in the sense of like uh, i even think about you and marty how uh that transition that you made over time you kind of made together yeah, you we were both up. on the same page you know
0: yeah, uh, we, you were tracking
1: with each other it's not like it was groupthink or anything but to a certain extent when you're i mean it is kind of sociology 101 a little bit that when you're in this in this group with her uh, you, you guys are talking in bed about things you're expressing, you know, doubts or this or that, uh, that she's, you know, empathetic to those doubts and tracking along with you.
0: Yeah. I mean, I often say that we were, sometimes she would be a step ahead of me and I would be trying to hold her back. And sometimes I would give a step ahead of her and she'd go, wait, wait, wait. But like, we, we brought each other along down that road
1: right. all the way right. for, for years, you know, which is, by the way, I find that interesting by itself But so in the cases where it doesn't happen, that's what we're talking about. Like in in the cases where someone is maybe reading or um, exploring on their own.
0: Watching internet debates.
1: Um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I get
0: a lot of those. Um, Yeah. Or or they just have, a lot of times what happens is there's a tragedy that hits a family um, either directly or indirectly. And for the one person, it is a clarion call to double down on their faith. Mm-hmm. And for the other person, it makes them think, there's nobody at the wheel. This, this, this doesn't make any sense. There's no, right. of, there's no way this is part of God's
1: plan. Um, and there are probably subtle reasons why one goes one way and one goes the other, I would imagine. Yeah. And again,
0: again like we could have a lot of interesting conversation about why people... Lose their faith, or are able to hold on to their faith. But I think the real question is, you know, literally the question that we're, we're being asked is: when two people are on other sides of that boundary, that divide, can right. they can they be close? And my my sense is, or my experience is, that the answer is sometimes. A lot depends on a few key factors. Um, probably the most important key factor is is, is there a lot of heat between them? Um, sort of romantically, sense of humorly, sexually, whatever you want to call heat between a couple? Um, you mean good, good heat? Yeah. Like okay. Are they into each other? Uh-huh. Cuz you know like when people have been married for 10 or 20 years, like sometimes you're around a couple and you're like they're really good friends, but like they're not hot for each other. Right. You know, like like <laughs> you know, like they're 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 chummy, but they're not their hands are not all over each other. They're not you know, romantic. They're not
1: romantic.
0: Yeah. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing for everybody. Um, but what I am saying is is that when I see these couples that are newly interfaith um, they have a lot better chance of working it through if there is some of that. I mean, that, that's why sometimes young people will sometimes marry across faith lines. Older people never do that. Like, like not uh, if their faith is important. Not if their faith is important to them. Like, because younger people are like, listen, you know, this only adds, you know, we, we care about each other and we have these great conversations, stuff like that. But, but what they don't realize is, is that sexual energy between a couple that that new relationship energy it covers a multitude of problems right? <laughs> uh- huh I mean if I'm if I'm hot for you all of a sudden like your accent doesn't bother me, your, your cigarette breath I can get through like whatever it is, if I'm hot for you, I, it, it has a, it's, it's an amazing overrider. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times that he, you know very, very seldom does that kind of energy, Persist over the length of a marriage, like that—that that ebbs and flows. I, you know, I sometimes joke and say, like, you know, people say, you know, are you in love with your wife? And I'm like, uh, today, you know, yes, but like, I've fallen in love with my wife like 27 times and fallen out of love with her 26. Right. right. <laughs> and you say, well, well, gosh, what did you do when you were out of love with each other? And you go like, oh, you know, we treat each other really nice. We're good friends. We, you know, we get along. Right. We, you know, we kind of, and, and eventually we know that we'll fall in love again. But but that kind yeah. of it, heat or intimacy, like when we're on a hot streak as opposed to when we're on a hiatus from that kind of energy, um, that's very common in a marriage. And what, what I find is, is that when you're in that, it overcomes a lot of differences, But when you don't have that magic magic, uh, element, then sometimes it's
1: it's harder to work through differences. Okay, so that's a big, you're right. I mean, that is a big difference. You know, we talk about intimacy. I mean, that's a big difference in how marriages are that you would only really know from the inside. So it is a good question. Like, what kind of marriage do you have right now? Yeah. And I think that the
0: other, another aspect to that is... Is, and maybe it's to broaden that out, is, is the relationship overall, like, and I mean, kids, house, money, friendships, routines, tandem bike rides, if you do that, whatever it is that you do. Like, is there an overallness where you say, wow, this ship is really worth saving? Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I value all of this stuff. Because what I find is that if the ship overall is really valuable, then people are like, look, I'll, I'll do a, I'll do a, I'll bend over backwards to find a way to make this work. So, so the, 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 heat thing is one thing. And then there's the, is, is there a good foundation there? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the third thing is really maybe as, as important as any of them. And that is, what kind of atheist is the atheist, or what kind of Muslim is the Muslim, and what kind of Christian is the Christian?
1: Because, in how my, much heat is there between them and God? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think part of part of it is that you know, like nominal. If you know, you give me two nominal people. Who are like Mm -hmm. not that into it, not that, not that practicing. Like, you know, you can be lukewarm in any number of flavors. And if, if, if your worldview doesn't matter that much to you, if you live more in the moment of like, hey, did you get gas in the car? Hey, you know, what are we having for dinner? Right. Right. Um, I think, I think those people who are not, for whom religion is, icing, but it's not really the cake. It's not the main course. Mm -hmm. But I think the other thing is, even if you have people that are really devoted to love and to care and to forgiveness and to um, making the world better for other people and for gratitude and all those things, you say, if a person's committed to those things in a secular way, or in a Christian way or in some other way. I think for those people, they may have a harder time. Because their worldview is something that they are experiencing and and the a lens through which they are looking at everything all day, every day. Yeah. You know, if somebody's making their decisions about what kind of car to buy or about what kind of food to eat. And they, and they keep going back to, well, because this, you know, because I want to be faithful in this thing, because, because the Bible says this, because God is true, you know, or because this is the only life I have, because I want to, I've come to the conclusion that the way to make the most of my life is this, you know, uh, because science tells me that, because I want to be an altruistic person because I believe it's my best chance of experiencing meaning, you know, whatever their worldview is, if their, if their worldview is actually a big part of their everyday thought processes. Mm-hmm. Then I would say you get into a special case where there are two things that are you know, really important. And the one thing that's really important is is how exclusive is that worldview.
1: What do you mean, uh, exclusive?
0: What I mean is that there are forms of Christianity that teach that this is our way of relating to God and that this is the best way of relating to God even, but it's not the only way.
1: Oh, be, okay, okay.
0: You know, and that that those are the people that go to the interfaith thing and they're like, oh, the imam, like I, I'm so interested in the way that they, you know, the way that they practice their faith. And they don't in their back of their minds think, and it's so quaint that they do that like right before they die and burn in hell for eternity for not being a Christian. Like there uh-huh. are some kind of Christian who believes that if you're not in the Christian movement, you are, you are not only outside of the movement, but you are outside of the favor of God. And those people have a very hard time having, being very, very close to somebody who's not in, in their movement. Because that person is, in some sense, a dead man walking or a dead mm-hmm. woman walking. Mm-hmm. Similarly, there are some atheists who believe that religion is a poison and that to teach religion to another person is to. Set them up to have their life destroyed, and make it makes the world a better place. That 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 religion wrecks everything, and therefore, they are exclusivist in the sense that they say, if you believe in any form of supernaturalism, you're an idiot, and you're dangerous. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to be close to somebody if if you know that they th- that they have contempt
1: for this thing at the center of your life. Yeah. How how much respect do they have for your worldview?
0: Yeah. And and, and so the question is, is can the atheist say, hey, this is, you know, can the humanist say, this is my, like, my values are loving kindness and, and making the world better for other people, whatever those values are. And they say, and, and. I pursue those things according to science because I'm not able to believe in God. Those, none of those other ideas are compelling to me. You know, reason and science; those things make sense to me. So this is the way I'm pursuing loving kindness. Like, mm-hmm. in a sense, they see secularity or they see reason and science as means to an end, which is these these values, the things that they love about life. that's one kind of atheist. And the other one is like, no, 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 reason, science, like data, that is the meaning of life. Like that's the only thing valuable. They don't see it as a tool to get to love or as a tool to get to a better society. They see it as this is, this is the society as a tool to get us to a deeper understanding of science. Hmm. And I think that if you're an exclusivist atheist, you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to get close to somebody who isn't an atheist. And if you're an exclusivist Christian who believes that everybody else is not only wrong, but dangerous, that's an intimacy killer. There's no way those two people can be close. They can be mutually respectful. They can sit sit together at a Thanksgiving table and sort of agree, not agree to disagree. And we're not going to talk about it right now, but they're not going to be close. Right. So I think the ex- exclusivity thing is, is a really important factor. Um, but then the second factor I think is even more important. And this is the one I spend a lot of time thinking about. Um, is that the essence of being a really good humanist, I think, is not only the part where you want to have loving relationships, but also the part, the, the, the part of the essence of that loving relationship is, is that you take pleasure in watching the person that you love flourish and thrive. Now, there's a kind of atheist who says, I know you will only flourish and thrive once you abandon Christianity. And so the only way they know to help you flourish is to try to talk down your faith. But there's another way of approaching it that says, listen, what really matters is not the way you pursue loving kindness, but 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 that you're pursuing loving and kindness. And so if you're gonna pursue loving kindness in a theistic way, because that stuff makes sense to you, or because you can't imagine leaving it, like I can support that. I wanna I wanna help you flourish in your own way. And so – and and similarly, the Christian who looks at their no longer Christian spouse and says, but what do you care about? And he says, I care about love and I want to be – you know, I want to make the world better and I want to make the most of this life. And they go, like, you know what? Those values seem a lot like mine. Um, I want to support you in that. Mm-hmm. And I want to – I not only want to support you in that, but I want to understand how that works. I want to meet your new friends. I want to read the book that you're reading. Not – because I want my own thing challenged. Like don't give me the books that are like 77 reasons why Christianity is bullshit. Don't give me that book. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to know how it works for you. I want to know what's exciting to you. What, you what, what motivates you to be more loving. What? Right. I want to know how your thing works. And so, and, 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 and similarly, the, the atheist has to look at their Christian friend or spouse or parent and say, listen, what happened at church this week? W- w- you pray every day. W- what, what messages are you getting? And you say, but why would you even care? You don't even believe that's true. And I go like, no, no, no. But I do believe it's true. I do believe that that person is praying and that they are getting messages. It may be coming from another part of their brain and they're misinterpreting it as God. Like, that's not the point. The point is, I don't want to know whether their worldview is true. I want to know how it works. I want to become really good at knowing how it works so that I can encourage the best parts of it and so I can challenge the worst parts of it but not challenge the a priori assumptions that it's built on. Not challenge like there is a God or the Bible is true. No, no, no. I want want to critique it in terms of its impact on their life and in terms of how it's helping them either to live up to their values or, or how it's causing them to
1: fall short of their values. Yeah, it's very pr- pragmatic. Like, does it work? Yeah. And How's so, it working for you? Yeah, in terms of our shared values.
0: Because w- here's the thing: I don't, I don't think people that have fundamentally different values can be intimate. But I do think that people that have fundamentally different worldviews can be different,
1: can be intimate. Yeah, if, yeah, yeah. If no, that's a good distinction. I mean, it's like well, uh, values are are at the core, right? Yeah.
0: But, it, but you see, the thing is, is that it's not, we can't agree on our values and then go like, okay, and now we won't talk about it anymore. <laughs> no. Because what, what happens is, is that the, not just the values I'm pursuing, but the way I'm pursuing them are, are very important to me. The little nuances, the books I'm reading, the podcasts I'm listening to, the conversation I just had with my buddy, like all that stuff. Like, you know, the the, the song I just heard on the radio that that motivated me, like, that's all important to me. And so if you're going to be close to me, you've got to care about that stuff. You don't have to believe in it, but you have mm-hmm. to care about it because it's important to me. Right. You know, that that's my, like, hey, if I'm into ballet, you better learn some stuff about ballet or you can't get close to me because I'm going to be talking about ballet. And you've got to at least be conversant. You don't have to dance. But if you don't, if you're not going to come and watch if you're not going to ask questions about how practice was today, if you don't want to see me become a better dancer, then, then I can't be close to you. And so in a real sense, there needs to be a commitment to engagement that isn't about winning the argument about which way of life works better in a real sense it's like two people from two very different countries and they sort of they decide we're not going to get into a war about whose country is better i'm not going to like the point of our conversation isn't to figure out whether you're moving to france or i'm moving to italy that's not why we're going to talk about france and italy i'm not going to try to run down italy so that you think it sucks and then you'll come and live in france or vice versa but rather you're italian so I'm going to come and visit you in Italy, and I'm going to uh, uh, come not as a critic, but as a as a tourist, as somebody as somebody who's interested, who's like, show me the best parts of this. Why do you like it here? How, what do you eat here? Wait, those people are talking in in a different language. What what did he mean when he said that? Why do they use their hands that way? Like. You, you ask questions not to point out what's wrong, but to understand how it works. Yeah. And then you say, hey, listen, would you, would you want to come back to France with me? Because there's some things here. Like we do some things really differently. I think you might really enjoy them. Like this is how we do things. And, and you ask questions because you want to understand why the person you love loves their homeland so much. And I think that people that have that kind of curiosity and that desire for me not to turn you into a Frenchman, but to make you the best Italian you could possibly be. And I might even point out something where I go like, you know, you say you care about this, but then I see, I just saw you throw trash out of your car window. And that doesn't seem to, I mean, doesn't that kind of mess up your, and person goes, you know what, thanks, you're making me a better Italian. <laughs> And I think like as a secular person, like with, in my closest relationships with Christians, and some of my closest relationships are with Christians, I don't just tolerate their Christianity. I believe that it actually makes their – like it's, it's, it's what makes their life run. And as long as it's making their life run in a good way, I will question it. I will be curious about it. I will even try to make it better. I might say hey there's a bible verse I don't know if you know this one like what do you think about this like I I want them to grow in loving kindness and Christianity is, the, is, is that's just the vehicle and I want their vehicle to run as well as possible and and I and 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 for them I want them to look at me and say not I need to, I need to convince them to come back to Jesus this is never going to happen All my Christian friends know that. They're like, he's incapable of believing in God. (laughs) He has tried it. He has tried it. It didn't work for him. Like, you know, and, and frankly, on a basic, like, show me the evidence thing, like, we can't, we can't, like, if that's what he needs, we don't have it. It's not how faith works. But they go like, okay, so he says these are his values. How do we help him? Hey, I just saw this humanist fellowship, Bart. You should, have you, have you visited that? Oh, I saw this, I heard this guy on the radio and he's just like you, but he was involved in this thing. I think you would really interest you. Like if they're not, if they really love me, they want to see me thrive as a humanist because that's, that's tantamount to me thriving as a person. Right. So there's a sense in which whenever I come across an interfaith couple or a parents and parents and a kid where the kids out or the kids in and the parents are out or one way or the other and they're close they they know that kid's whole humanist worldview they they they've read some of his books they they know his friends and he will go with them to church and he will critique the church against their values but not against his truth He'll say, "Hey, what that guy was saying about gay people—that doesn't seem to line up with what you guys believe about Jesus. Can you can you help me? I'm not trying to got you or point out that Christianity doesn't work. I'm trying. I'm just trying to like, can you can you square that for me? Because I want you to be—I care about what kind of Christian you are. I want you to be the best Christian you can possibly be, according to the values that we
1: share. Am I repeating? I think I'm repeating myself now." You're not, you're not interrupting me enough. No, a little bit, but I, I, but I'm, I'm interested in what you're saying. Um, I find it hard to stay close to people if, if we can't talk about certain important things, you know, like. If if I feel like there's a roadblock or there's an elephant in the room or there's something, I I find I find that's a real barrier. Do you think people are wait do, do, wait do you need do you is it hard for you if
0: you can't talk about it, or if it's is it hard for you if you don't agree on it?
1: It's just hard for me if we can't talk about it. That's where like th- I think I, that's where I'm yeah that's where I'm at. You got to find a way to talk about it. You gotta be you've got to be able to open these these doors and and explore them together. If you want to be intimate, I think. I mean, essentially no, no, for me, that's you, true. you
0: don't have to like how we pursue goodness and our and our, our spiritual practices, what the books we read, the uh, practices, the you know that kind of stuff. That's so central to my life. Like, if you can't talk to me about that, we're not going to be close at all. Right. Bicycle riding. I love bicycle riding, and if you want to talk about bicycle riding, we're going to get a little closer. Like that's good. That's a way in with me. I got to tell you. Right. 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 But you know what? If you don't care about it at all, it's not so important that we still can't be super close friends. Some of my super close friends go like, don't get Bart started on the bike thing.
1: Well, it's, yeah, but it's about opening a room that I can go in there with you, you know, look around for a little while, you know, that'll make you feel good. But it'll also, you know, it's interesting to me because you're my buddy. Right. So, like that's a, and then we can go out of the room. We don't need to stay in there all that long for that to work, for yeah, that yeah. to be useful. But,
0: but the truth is, that's, that's right. If you're, if, if I tell you about my bike and how, I, mm-hmm. how it came to be, like I will on that Patreon thing, and yeah. if you don't ask one question, if you don't show any interest, <laughs> right, I'm going to feel like I don't need you to care about bike, bicycles for bicycle's sake. But my goodness, like, if you care about me, this is an important part of me, and yeah, so you, you know that this is what I'm all about. Yeah, we don't have to stay in that room forever, but you you
1: got to You got to go there. Yeah, and John. No, I agree. All I'm saying is there can't be locked doors. No, as Do you, for me, for me to be really close to someone, there can't be locked doors.
0: There but, just can't. But I'll tell you what. I have some doors that if you're going to come in there, you better be sensitive, because you know what. I, that I, I can, I can get hurt in there. And so right. there are correct ways to come in. So like, yeah, somebody says, you know, I've, I've, some of the biggest asshole Christians I know are like, I'm totally willing to talk about faith with you, Bart. And then you start talking and they're like, you're, you know, I don't see how you could have any moral value at all. Like, I you're, you're, no wonder you're burning in hell. And I go like, okay, <laughs> this is not bringing us closer. Right. No wonder you're burning in hell. So, so there are rules of engagement uh, here. And that's what I'm saying is, mm-hmm. is that this tourist, the idea of I'm interested in this because it's part of who you are. I'm interested in this because I see value in it. I see that it, 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 it enhances you in certain ways. I, I, I'm looking for the good here. Um, And that doesn't mean I'm blind to what's wrong or that I can't tell you why it doesn't appear. You know, somebody, have you ever had somebody say to me, this is the world's best taco. And they hand it to you and you taste it and you go like, what do you like about this taco? (laughs) Like, I I gotta Uh tell you, like, I don't get it. And they go, no, no, it's great. Like, and I go, it's way too spicy. And they go like, I love spicy. And you go like, okay, I don't like, I can even tell you why I don't love your taco, but I still need to, I still need to, to know about your taco. I want to know why you love it. I want to know why you love it, and I want yeah. to be—I want to be astute enough that I can see when it's doing something good for you. Hey, my dad is eighty-five years old. He's in a—he's—he's he's in a—he's in a rehab facility right now, trying to recover from the stroke. Right, right. That'll shake you. That could even shake you oh, spiritually, yeah. right? So the question yeah. is: Is my is I go? Like, hey, there might be an area of weakness here. This is this might be the time when I can finally win the argument and convince him that God doesn't care or whatever. On the contrary, I'm sort of like, Hey, man, what are you reading? Have you talked to your Have you talked to your friends, Alan, and and, and John, like his kind of Christian running buddies?
1: He mm-hmm.
0: said, like, if he if he says to me, I don't know, Bart, the COVID thing, it's 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 shaking my faith. And I go, like, listen, man you know, Christianity has been around a long time through a lot of plagues, through the Holocaust. Like, how did those people solve that problem? And we ended up, we had this conversation a few weeks ago and we ended up talking about neo-Orthodoxy and Niebuhr and Bultmann and, and, and Bonhoeffer and Bart, um, who I was named after. And, and at the end of the conversation, he goes like, hey, good sermon, Bart." <laughs> He's like, you're really encouraging me in my faith. And I go like, "Dad, if you ever if if you came across me in a hospital bed dying and I was all of a sudden looking at the Bible and saying, "I think I want to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior," I hope you would stop me. I hope you would say, "Bart, come on, man. That's the pain talking. That's the fear talking. That's not who you are. I know you." Now remember what you said about this? Remember what 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 you what what Ingersoll said about if this life was went on forever, it wouldn't have any value like like stick to your guns, man. This is not the time to switch horses. Like right? dance with who brung you. I said, that's what I hope you would do
1: for me, dad. He wouldn't, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I, I think, I think, I think if he was in his, I think he was at his best. I
1: think he would. Yeah. 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 No, I, think, I, I know what you I, mean. I
0: think at some point you, you understand who a person is and, and that, that their faith or their lack of faith or their commitment to a certain ideal that that's not just something they believe. That's who they are. That's part of their identity. And that,
1: yeah, and that all springs out of closeness, though intimacy. Like that all springs out of knowing that person well, being in having been in their rooms. Yes, and so, and, so and it, had the co- had the talk where yes, you kind of go like, yes, yeah, yes. This is an important room. <laughs> yes, and 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 it's part
0: of what makes this house the house that is. Like, here's the thing. I I've talked with my dad enough about faith to know that believing that God isn't in control of everything that happens in the world but believing that God is capable of working in your life in the midst of whatever is happening mm-hmm. that that is who he is and that is what has that that has carried him this far and and it's shaped him and made him a more loving person to believe those things and so you say but you don't think they're true And I go, like, on a deep level, like, it doesn't matter. Especially at this point in his life, it doesn't matter whether they're true or not. He'll find that out soon enough or not find it out soon enough. What matters is that's who he is, and I love him, and I want him to be who he is, and I want to encourage him to be the best version of who he is not some half-assed version of whatever. If I talked him out of Christianity, do you think he would immediately go like, "Oh, well now I'll embrace the finitude of life and and find joy in in no. He would just feel like he had wasted his life. He would feel like he'd 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 bet on the wrong horse. And you go like, "Do you think that's possible?" I go like, "I I will we'll never know cuz I'm never going to go there." Right. I'm going to try to help him because I see value in his practice. I see value in what he did and the way the the, I, I meet people all the time who are on really bad paths in their life and his version of Christianity put them on better paths to better relationships and better lives. I'm like, I'm, I'm not gonna, of course, I'm not gonna knock that. Right. And so that's the thing. Like, I'm not, not, now you say to me, but Bart, do you really think Italy is, do you really think France is as good as Italy? And I'm like, no, nah, our food is good." <laughs> what are you talking about? Right? <laughs> but I understand why the French love France. And I don't want to turn them into half-assed Italians. I want to turn them into people who really, uh, who really love Italy and appreciate it and love Italians and appreciate them and then go home to France. Now there are people who are cast out of their own countries, or who lose faith in their own country? There are a lot of Americans right now who are getting ready to move to Canada if Donald Trump wins again, and, or at least they're talking about it. And they always talk about it. They always talk about it. And nobody ever does it because that's no how one ever does it. That's how deep it runs, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's that's how deep it runs. But, the, but right. the thing is, is that if somebody, if somebody, if their country, the only Christians I ever try to deconvert. Are ones who are being crushed by Christianity. Gay people, handicapped people who are told that it's all part of the plan. People mm. who people who have tried and tried to connect with God in the way that they've heard about in church and it's never worked for them. And they feel like the problem is with them. Those are people that are like, you know, there's another way. Yeah, they might want to try something different. But like if somebody's thriving in that thing, I don't mess with them. Yeah. I don't mess with I don't mess with Muslims that are thriving in Islam un- unless they're hurting somebody else. And I believe me, I get the arguments of like it's inherently wrong and it's demeaning to women and all, like and 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 I think there's truth in those arguments. But on an interpersonal relationship on an interpersonal basis you have to really ask yourself who is this person and what makes them that way? And even if they're being held up by a, a truth that you don't think is true. Mm-hmm. The question you have to ask yourself is like, can they, would they, would they be better off without it? And if the answer is no, then you should try to help them hold that truth in a way that works better. And so, yeah, this tourist being curious, being interested, being willing to share, being willing to ask questions that are not gotcha questions. All of that, all of that is a part of intimacy. And you don't have to be exactly like somebody to be intimate with them, but you have to know them and they have to know you. And that requires a level of engagement that's only possible if you're not trying to undermine them on the one hand or convert them. And and if you're willing to let them, and if you're confident enough to let them into your world and say, you don't have to accept this, but I still want to share it with you.
1: Right. I've got I've got one sort of bonus yeah, little we sh- we question should, yeah, here. Because we, we should wrap this up. A 30-second bonus question. Does sense of humor matter here? I mean, I feel like when people are able to be playful about this stuff, it can help. Am I right? Yeah. I mean,
0: you know, we could get into classic marriage stuff. Um, I'm trying to think of who that researcher is that has the five, um, the, fi- the four horsemen. It's like contempt, oh. you know. Uh, is it Gottman? Gottman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'll look it up. The, Gottman's four horses, uh, four Horse, horsemen four horsemen of yeah. the apocalypse. Yeah, and yeah. He says, he says, look, uh, you, you, if I find if criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling, and stonewalling is when you go like, we're just not going to talk anymore about this. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> I'm, I'm just withdrawing. The door is locked. Defensiveness is when you see yourself as under attack. And so you're not sharing anything, you're defending everything. Um, and you're not willing to admit that there's anything wrong with anything that you're doing, but for fear that that'll be used against you. Contempt is when you look at the other person and you think like, you idiot, how could you possibly think that? And, and I don't know how anyone can be an atheist and look at a believer and not understand how they could be a believer when it is historically and naturally one of the, the simplest things to understand in the world um, and criticism. And again, like if you're showing up, if you want to show up, come to church with me so you can criticize it. No, no. But if you want to come to church, no, it's not so gonna you, work. you can understand it and, and, and you can ask questions. You can, you, you know, but, but like there's a difference between positive criticism and, 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 and negative criticism, positive criticism is from like, Hey, if, if you turn that knob over there, don't you think – you, you might even get a little more speed out of this car. And like, mm-hmm. you know, hey, you know, that might yeah. work better. Um, you know, we do something over here in France that you – like, you might want to try this on your – you know, the, the, there's there, – because there, that's the thing is that within within these worldviews and within these lifestyles, I've learned so much from Christians about how to build communities, about right, how right. to create events, that about how to create dy- dynamic, you know, m- motivation for people to to live up to their values. Like there's a lot of cross-pollinization here. So, so, so the, the criticism that Gottman's talking about is that kind where you're like, I'm going to show you why what you're doing sucks. Yeah. And so, yes, sense of humor is one of those things where you, where, where I think, yeah, if people can't laugh at themselves and at laugh at, at each other's foibles, because if there's anything about all these worldviews is that none of them, we're, none of us are consistent in living up to our own worldviews. So if we look, if we, if we look very carefully at our, at our partner, and if we look very carefully at ourselves, we're going to find plenty to, plenty to laugh at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. So, so yeah, I think that's a really good addition. Um, today we're talking about God, but like, it might be that your kid gets really into high lie. Or it might be that your mom gets really turned on to Alcoholics Anonymous and you feel like that's taking her away from you. And what I'm saying is like, if your mom gets swept up in Alcoholics Anonymous and it feels like it's taking her away from you, you better get curious. You better get to a meeting. You better stop trying to point out why it's psychobabble or why it's all veiled Christianity and you better start to look for the value in it because otherwise you can't be close to her. So yeah, yeah, I think this is relevant. I, I hope it's relevant beyond the handful of married people that are probably in this situation that are going like, this is exactly what we need to be talking about. But uh,
1: yeah, no, I, I, I think there's a lot of, um, you can extrapolate this to all kinds of things. Yeah, I I, I know I've done a lot of this.
0: What, oh, what about this? And, and I've been using my voice a lot in this conversation. And I think, you sort of go like, "Wow, he has a lot of energy around this topic," and I go like, "I really do. I really mm-hmm. have a lot of energy around this topic." And I don't think I know John. We're 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 we. I'm looking at the guests we're trying to line up. We're going to try to get into how we can make the civil conversation in this country work better, and and how we can create how we can contribute to kind of. Helping us get out of some of the problems that we're into right now and that we can't talk about anything. Um, and you might say, well, this is a weird marriage. That's, that's where you want to start? Interfaith marriage? And I go like, I think a lot of what we just talked about is really relevant to the politics of our country right now and the politics of race and to the Me Too movement. Um, it is. I was thinking I was thinking that all the way along. Yeah. I think I think. Yeah. I think this is, the, you know, I, I thought like in a few weeks, we're going to start this, you know, series of podcasts where we, I, I think we just started. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thanks for talking, man. Well, thanks, man. This is great. And uh, thanks for listening if you're still here. And we will see you soon on Humanize Me.
1: For more on BART, go to bartcampolo.org. If you like this podcast, please consider supporting it every month and get extra content for it. Go to patreon.com humanize me. Our patrons do make the show happen. Follow us at humanize me pod on Twitter and humanize me podcast on Instagram. You can also join other listeners on our private Facebook group. Just search humanize me on Facebook. To ask your own question on the show, leave it as a voicemail at 424 That's 424-291-2092. And finally, please review us on iTunes. It really helps. Catch you next week. Humanize Me is a production of Jux Media. You could be larger than life. We because...